This is People of the Book with Janice Liebowitz. I am Janice Liebowitz and you are my People of the Book. And my amazing guest today, for those of you who are keen photographers, the name Obi Oberholzer will not be anything strange to you. It'll be very familiar. And I'm thrilled to have him as my guest. Welcome, Obi. Thank you for having me. And tell me about the, the Obi, because, I mean, your name, it's, it's very long. Petrus Cornelius Jacobus Oberholzer. And, and I asked you before, is it Obi? Is it Obi? <laughs> um, so is it Obi, Obi? <laughs> well, first of all, I didn't, I didn't uh, hear you saying that I'm amazing. I don't know about that, firstly. <laughs> and then, uh, you know, anybody called Petrus Cornelius Jacobus has got a problem. Uh, so um, everybody uh, called me Obi. So if you're English, it's Obi. If you're Afrikaans, it's Obi. And if you're German, it's Obi. And if you're f- French, it's Obi. Obi. I, I, love, I love that. <laughs> I really love that. So I'm, I'm, I'm gathering you know a lot of French people, if you know what they call you, the <laughs> French people. So... Um, Obi, I'll, I'll call you Obi because I don't know. Um, I mean, I am English, but but I don't know. The Obi just sounds, I don't know, like Obi Wan Kenobi. Yeah, and, and please don't say that because everybody says, "Ah, Obi Wan Kenobi." Yeah, yeah, that's yeah, why. That's, that's why I'm going with the Obi. I've done that for ten. Yeah, 10, I'm, yeah. I'm like, gee, I'm sure that's one you've never heard before. <laughs> wow. Um, so you were born small farm outside Pretoria, and. You've traveled far, far and wide from there. Uh, you studied graphic design at Stellenbosch University, photography overseas. You studied photography at a time where there were not many places to study yeah. photography. Well, um, when I was at Stellenbosch in the, in the late, the mid-60s, um, there were only two schools. There was no photographic school in uh, in Africa, and there was only one in Vienna and one in Munich. So I had to learn a bit of German, so I went to the Bayerische Staatsanstalt für Fotografie. Oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so um, that was in the early 70s. Yeah, yeah. You went back to Germany um, in 1979 for your master's in photography. Yeah. Well, you know, it, it's. I think it must be said that, you know, being at Stellenbosch University and growing up, in those years, it uh, was an easy thing. But it, if it, when I landed in Germany, it was the years of the student protests in, in, in Paris, and it, uh, everybody was aware of uh, political changes. And I was, of course, hammered from front to back and everywhere about apartheid and being a white South African. So I learned and I grew up very quickly. And, you know, at Salambosch, we played more than we worked. So I learned to work in, in Germany. So that basically changed my whole uh, um, direction in photography. And then in 79, I went back to do a a master's in Germany, which was, again, helped me further to believe in myself and to, as I always said, follow that dream. Yeah. But you have worked in in the interim. You've worked at at numerous universities, hold various positions. Yeah. So Um, tell me about that. I started started lecturing at the then Natal Technicon, and in 1975, we actually formed the, the first photographic course in the country with three or four other lecturers. And then I um, moved from there to Rhodes University 
in Grahamstown, which is quite interesting. I always used to, you know, as a lecturer, you get these these uh, administrative jobs to do, you know, do this and that. And I always spelled Rhodes R-O-A-D-S. <laughs> and the administrative people thought that this guy is really stupid. So they never gave me any admin work to do. And then um, one day I just grew tired of going, uh, good morning class. Mm. And I just <laughs> went on my own and f- followed more dreams and traveled more roads. You, and you have traveled many, many roads, which we are going to talk about. But what is what you are really well known for is the coffee table books that you have published. I think how many were we saying? 13? I think this one is the 14th. This is the 14th book, and it is called Happy Sadland, Southern African Stories. And this is a book that that is actually why you're here today, to, to chat about the book. But this is a book that is quite different from your previous books. And, and although, obviously, it focuses a lot on the photographs, there is a lot of text and copy here. And it's all about the stories. And we are going to get into that shortly. You are listening to People of the Book. I'm Janice Leibovitz. And today I'm chatting to Urbi Urbaholzer. I love it when you read to me. This is People of the Book with Janice Leibovitz. It's People of the Book. I'm Janice Leibovitz, and today I'm chatting to, I mean, would you be known as a renegade photographer? I'm chatting to Urbi um, Oberholzer. Um, well, renegade is maybe, but uh, I, was call, I call myself a uh, visual thug. <laughs> so, but, uh, you know, tongue-in-cheek. I think the biggest thing if you, if you uh, live in, in Africa is to have a sense of humor I've always said that my best um, my best uh, travel companion yes. is a sense of humor yes I have that yeah I did uh, take down a couple of quotes that had appealed to me from the book and one of them is a sense of humor is the best companion and um, you say that this book this new book that you've you've brought out is a book that will hopefully add a little hope and humor and the prevailing theme obviously is this happy sadness talk to me about this concept of of happy sadness and the happy sad land. You know, for years I've been calling it um, happy sad land because as you look around and you travel through this southern continent, you face with such huge contrasts and opposites, and and poverty and richness and and the landscape changes all the time. I mean, we I live at the coast and I travel eighty kilometres. I'm in the the, the Karoo, so I've always hinged. I've always hinged on this happy sadness because we, like I said, you know, there's a huge, huge contrast, you know, I have. So this is finally when I've I've had many names like Sudden Circle and, and uh, To Helen Gone and uh, Beyond Bagamoya. But for the first time, I sort of sat down and now that I've sort of become the more of an aging hippie, um, I, I collected some stories of the past, the mid-past and the, and the present, and I threw them all together under this this title. And you know the happy sad, and sometimes I get so sad. One can also one can also call it uh, just shake your headland. Because <laughs> often yeah. with ESCOM, what do we do? We we just shake our heads. So that's what I would say about this book. Before we get into more about the book, um, you mentioned in the in your introduction that you've been collecting cameras for sixty three years. 
that must be quite a collection. How many cameras do you have? Well, then again, that's that's a bit of tongue in cheek there. I think the only I have quite a few cameras. Of course, if you're my age, you collect things. But the most important camera is a, a, a Kodak twin lens reflex that my mom. My mom took me as a young boy traveling overseas. She was a great traveler, and I learned a lot and loved travel through her. And one day we, I had this this film, this this six by six film camera, uh, Kodak, and she took me to Pisa, right? And there, little Obi stands and he looks at his leaning tower and he takes his camera and he actually puts the the the, the tower up straight in the frame, which if you think <laughs> about it, all the other buildings, the church. Is falling over. So little Obi, young, uh, uh, it was done in 1955, so I was eight years old. So I went uh, back to the farm and I said, you know what, guys, I went to a, I went to city of Pisa where all the buildings falling over. And this one <laughs> building is standing up straight. So that's maybe <laughs> that a kind of sense of humor. <laughs> Even at that age. So it was your mother who, who yeah. nurtured that love for, yes, for travel. Yeah. And it hasn't left. Are you still... Roaming the roads, I mean, and you've you've had these these travel companions, your vehicles, the different vehicles yeah, yeah. that you've travelled with. I mean, you speak about that a lot, and, and that have accompanied you well, on the roads. Yeah, look, I mean, I've, I love travel. You know, um, maybe I can share another secret with you. Of course, because you know, um, is um, over one horizon lies another. So, Absolutely. but don't go and tell all your listeners, please, you know, you <laughs> might just be shocked. Okay, so that's a secret you are not supposed to be sharing. Um, so, the other quote that I loved was this one, and it says, Kindness is vital for a traveling man. Most people along the road have a, sta- have a story, and many faces reflect their own places. I mean, you must be... I can't imagine the stories and the things that you've seen, the people you've met. And in this book, Happy Sadland, mm. there are a beautiful selection of a lot of the stories that you've attached to your your photos. And, I mean, when did it occur to you to – I mean, we're going to talk to you – I'm going to ask you later about the, the your methods. What I know about photography is dangerous. But um, – for a serious photographer, you know, it's not just, you know, about just pointing and shooting. Hmm. Um, but when did you decide that you were going to travel, take pictures, record these images, share the stories? When did it occur to you that this, was all, this could all go in books and share? Which is amazing because not everybody hmm. travels around. Not everybody views things. And I love the way that... that the way you view things is so different. It's really abstract compared to, you know, and, and when you look at things through a lens, you see things differently. Yeah, look, I mean, uh, as I said, it started in 1955. Um, and then it really picked up when I uh, listened to, um, as you can see, a great John Lennon fan on Elvis, grew up with Elvis and Cliff and so on. And, uh, just, just to share, he's wearing a... a Fantastic John Lennon T-shirt, which is yeah, amazing. It's, a, it's so, really beautiful. That, that um, my enthusiasm gathered pace by a song that uh, is my one of my creeds. So we should have a few. Uh, <laughs> is uh, follow that dream wherever that dream may lead you. It's a wonderful life. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, it's quite interesting about the John Lennon 
because you know he died in 1980. Yes. Eighth of of December. December and, um, yes. They the Beatles only went to Rome to Italy in 1965. A few days, three days. So I've just been uh, no two a year ago. I went to uh, trip to Italy and I took. John Lennon with as a T-shirt, and I took him and I showed him the Colosseum, I showed him the Forum, I showed him <laughs> hanging up there, and I took him to a village. So John is you was very pleased. Tour. You took him on tour. Yeah, that's amazing. And I don't know. This might sound like a weird question. Do you always travel alone? Well, when I, I lectured, I travelled alone, and uh, my wife was a school teacher, Lynn. If it wasn't for her, I wouldn't be sitting here. <laughs> and uh, now that she's retired, she has come with me. But it, it didn't change the much. So when I was much younger, I traveled alone, and, and now we uh, go together. And do you plan your trips, do you, or you just pick up and say, right, let's go on a trip for a few days? Because there are people that do that. Yeah, let's gonna, just pack up the, the vehicle. I'm not going to say car, because yeah. it's probably not yeah, yeah. a little chuggy car um, but is it planned do you know where you want to go do you know where you want to take photos how do you organize yeah, you these know that's trips? an interesting question because again when I was younger uh, I, I said that um, freedom is not quite knowing where you're going <laughs> so freedom if you come to a, a, a dusty road and there's a T-junction Freedom is deciding there then to go left or, or right. But obviously, um, now with the, the price of fuel and so on, I do plan things. But I'm doing a quite an interesting project. Is the, the nine Dutch uh, towns, Dutch-named towns in, uh, in South Africa. Uh, and I'm working on a book where I've photographed them. And I've, photographed, I've just been to Netherlands for six weeks to photograph the nine mother cities. Oh, for wow. a book, yeah. So that was quite a, that again, just showing the contrast. I mean, Amsterdam in Mapumalanga. Well, if you look twice, you'll pass it. <laughs> uh, of course, you've been to Amsterdam as one of world cities. Yeah. And you know, I've, I've always said about freedom, like it's, it's not quite knowing where you're going. But how can you tell I'm a traveller? By when I travel a lot, my right arm because I'm always dangling my right arm out of my bucky's window so my right arm is stand a lot more than my left arm <laughs> and where, where does that, that kind of inspiration come from to to you know something like that to pair the towns here with their namesakes their I original namesakes it's, it's all to do with imagine Amazing. imagination you know I sit and it's funny, I, I, I might be a photographer, but sometimes I walk around the block with, with other camera and I just conjure up images. That would be nice. Or look at this line, look how the light falls there. And so when I'm on a walk, I think of projects or titles or uh, quotations. You are listening to Janice Liebowitz, and today I'm chatting to photographer Urbi Oberholzer. I love it when you this is People of the Book with Janice Liebowitz. This is People of the Book, and today my guest is photographer, renowned photographer, Urbi Overholzer. And we've been talking about his brand new book. It's a beautiful coffee table book called Happy Sadland, Southern African Stories. And it's, it really is stunning. And as I said before, the focus 
on this book is obviously the photography, as always, but a lot of accompaniment, a lot of stories accompanying the photos, a lot of more, a lot more insight, and a lot more um, to say about um, Obi's travels and his journey. And it's it's really and and Obi, as I said earlier, your writing just conjures up these magical. I mean, the images are there on the page, but your writing really is magical, and it does bring things even more to life than the pictures that we are seeing. So, tell me, your landscape photography is incredible, but the way you capture people, I found really beautiful. And I think clearly you have a way with people, and when you approach them, I, I would imagine you you approach them in a certain way that would endear you to them, to make them want to be photographed by you in a certain way. Tell me about that. Well, Janice, I mean, as I see you moving closer and closer to me, <laughs> so uh, there must be some kind of a traction <laughs> no, I, no. I think, <laughs> I'm not uh, I think I'm on that, the other uh, side of the studio <laughs> I think that um, you know I, I, I have a, a rhythm and I have a way with observing how people are or call it situations and I can read that you might call it experience if you wish um, so I don't like perhaps you would dash in with your cell phone and take a, a, self, a, a picture I sort of talk to them first and I I orientate myself in terms of what they do and, and sort of I get in and, and then I uh, make as I almost wake, uh, make out if I want to leave and th- then I would say, well, oh, please, man, you are so interesting <laughs> and nice. Could I take your pictures? So either they relax and they then um, pose for me with pleasure. So I don't go in and grab a picture and then tear off. That's maybe and a that, secret. And what, yeah, that, that yeah, because you you kind of enter their world. Yeah, yeah. And you want to you get to know. I about make them, them feel Im- you, important yes. or loved or liked or interesting. Yes, and what was interesting? There's one particular um, photo with with a little side story about Ice Cube. Ice Cube. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's just in the free state, I come down this gravel road. And I see this guy with this rubber ball on his head. So I say, um, who, uh, hey, who are you? Are you a rubber ball? He said, no, I'm Ice Cube. So I look around and it's a hot day and I say, no, no, you're a rubber ball. So he said, no, no, I'm Ice Cube. And so why are you standing there asking me for money, uh, Ice Cube? He said, no, because I want to give it to my brother in Palsmore Prison. I said, well, that's interesting. And then only then did I afterwards do some homework that Ice Cube is a famous uh, rapper. Rapper, yes. So, so then I of course didn't know who Ice Cube was, <laughs> and that's what is very interesting. In my little e- exhibition now at the Rebecca Steele Arts Festival, I sold that picture four times over. Wow! About Ice Cube, because wow. somehow it's got you don't know what's there. It's it is happy, sad in a way. Very much. This so. very powerful look of this this young boy looking through this rubber ball. So there's the picture speaks for itself. I never speak about pictures, so I just relate the story about hello um, rubber ball. No, I'm Ice Cube. And his eyes. There's something about his eyes yeah, in that, this that is, picture. There's also a certain sadness. Yes, if you, very, if you look. very much so. So that's Ice Cube. That is Ice Cube. 
talk to me about, I mean, I know, as I said earlier, Ma, what I know about photography is dangerous. But you, the way that you, I wouldn't maybe manipulate is the wrong mm. word, light and dark. And you do that a lot in your photography. Yeah, look, I mean, it's this is obviously not a platform to discuss my sort of techniques and so, but I use I use a lot of light because that's all it is really. I was just saying to a friend who's actually in Paris at the moment, um, you know, the first picture ever taken on a camera is by Jacques Monday Daguerre. It was called a Daguerre type. He captured the first image of a street. In photography, it started in 1838. And it was so excited that he ran down the steps, ran down the road and shouted, I have seized the light, I have arrested its flight. And that's all I try and do, is to look, to conjure, to move perhaps uh, what the light does. And and now in my latter years, I use a lot of um, hunting torches, uh, a fanatical um, collector of very powerful hunting torches so I use a lot of them in the, in the twilight time in the twilight to light up scenes or situations because I believe that some in Africa uh, the, the, the African spirit comes out to dance for the forefathers or dance at twilight time and do you think that's what's showing up in your photo well <laughs> perhaps you know, I was just, uh, as I said, I was in, a, in, in Amsterdam photographing a couple of high-rises. We don't think of Amsterdam in the Netherlands as uh, we think of canals and little boats and so, but there are some skyscrapers. So I'm lighting uh, at twilight time these buildings. I think they were flats. And suddenly there's three or four um, police vehicles come with guys jumping out with uh, Teflon vests and whatever, oh and there I am standing, and they they said we've been following you for the last two hours because there are cameras everywhere. So they see this old man walking around lighting things, and they thought, no, this is very strange. So uh, they got phone calls from these residents that we can't sleep because they, it's it's light. Who's shining these lights? <laughs> so that's just a little short story, which is not in the book. <laughs> <laughs> what advice would you give? To, I mean, I, I know that nowadays everybody has a it's camera a in their back pocket. Mm. Um, but obviously, there is still a need and there is still a keen interest in, dare I say, real, proper photography. So, what, what advice would you give to someone starting out I would in the say, photography uh, game now? I would say become a racing driver. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> no, I would. I would say it's, it's all to do with looking and seeing, and lines and sh- and shapes. So all you have to do is trying to 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 put a three dimensional scene, uh, simplify it into a two dimensional image. Now, for instance, in painting, painters add. They start with start with the blankness and they add. Whereas photographers start with the world, and they have to subtract. So it's all to do with investigating, imagination, and looking. So m- more I can't say. You know, that would be along another story. And, um, I mean, w- the best thing would be, obviously, you buy your first camera, just go out there and take pictures. Yeah, look, it's, it's to do with 
imagination about looking because they're seeing and there's looking and um, that's the process and the biggest thing two other things I would say is enthusiasm um, you know and imagination is trying to see something that's simplistic in a different way I use it quite often obviously uh, after all these years in the business I can see things differently if somebody says to me Wow, I never saw that because it's just training. Yes. And practice, practice, practice. Read, uh, read a lot. Uh, look up. Um, everything's on the internet. I, I call, you know, Google it. So, but experience, do it. Like I said, you know, if you go, you get. And every little trip, get something. Try and find something that is specific about where you go. Be it a parking lot, be it a room. And it'll go from there. And tell me how the use of, I mean, obviously years ago everything was, there was film, there mm-hmm. was, it was all very manual and very, you know, there was a lot of yeah, paraphernalia. Yeah. But now that things have gone digital, how has that changed the, the landscape, well, the landscape of photography? And I'm not talking about the trees and the sand and yeah, the mountains. Yeah, yeah. How has that changed Things well, you know, it's a good question because today, as you know, everybody's a photographer, mm-hmm. and we get we get lambasted, we get thrown at, we got smashed millions of images per day or thousands. We look at thousands of things, so it's pretty brutal to to get somebody to look at your images. You must stop them by stopping or simplifying. There must be something that's got a catchphrase, be it done through lighting or angle view. Or something, because we can't just. That's why, in fact, doing a coffee table book is difficult because people just page through because we got bombarded by thousands of images. So um, it, it has made it more difficult for a, for a photographer. You know, I don't even think that I'm a photographer. I just do what I'm good at, and luckily for all my life, I've been good at this, and I've, I've followed the same path. But I mean, you were saying before because you worked in film and, mm. and with all of that, but now you don't use any of that anymore. And all of the the issues that were that accompanied the use of film and yeah. and all of that, but now you don't need any of that. Well, well, what I need is exactly the same as what I had. It's not ab- about it's not about the lenses or the film or, or the or digital camera. It's about what you see. So yes. I haven't changed how I look whether it was in the olden days with a large format film camera or today with a Canon uh, top Canon, uh, Canon camera. So the looking and the process is the same. I mean, however, in the heyday of film, I used to have to go back not knowing process the film and then have a look. I mean, I once did a book on journey from Cape to Cairo and I, I had to then send my films from each little place between Cape Town and Cairo oh, back wow. to act for the, the labs to have it processed and just imagine the sort of uh, tension that I was under not knowing now you, you take a snap and you look and it's fine and you file it that's the difference that's yeah, huge difference mm. huge so huge it's, it's difference it's easier I mean I used to lug these big camera cases large and but now I've got a small little rucksack so I, I look like everybody else but you are so not like everybody else. Well, <laughs> absolutely not in any way, shape, or form. Um, 
there were, as I said, I, I picked up just a couple of um, of the pictures in the book with the accompanying stories that just were stand out to me. And one of those was the drive-in. And, I mean, the, the picture itself just, it's so desolate. <laughs> and it's, you know, for someone, I won't give away my age, um, but for someone who grew up going to the drive-in, you know, it was a family night, it was a... And you've described it, the way you've described it is beautiful, but the picture just made me sad, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> really well, made me sad. I can, I can just see that you are not, that you d- didn't go to many dr- drive-ins, first of all. Uh, but quite a few, <laughs> a fair amount. <laughs> okay, but uh, when I was there sort of in the 60s, you know, we would m- make a, a party of it and we used to um, talk about, well, I know it's not PC, uh, chicks and cherries and 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 things like that and and it was a whole it was a whole party uh, driving and that of course is is gone now you know it was a whole culture it, was a, it, it was really a was c- culture um, and now sometimes on my trips I drive past this like a skeleton remains of a of a of a screen and this is a khaki bus growing there you might still find a little projector room and that sort of brings back all those memories of youth. The other one that, that I picked out was one called Scully. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, Scully comes from those times, you know, always conjured up, you know, <laughs> what is a Scully? What's a ducktail? You know, what's a breaker? You know, all, all those all those words we used, you know, groovy, uh, all those sort of <laughs> things. And uh, um, so I, I did look through all my files on on ducktails or, or Scullys, and, and I found him and I... I said that you are the prize-winning Scully, and I, I, I wrote about about Scully. But I did, I did meet him on a road and gave him a lift. And uh, you know, he, he said to me, I said to him, I didn't call him Scully, but he said everyone calls me Scully, so you can call me Scully. So uh, where do you want to uh, go to, Scully? Oh no, anywhere really doesn't matter. And I've always thought that was quite interesting. I just go for going. Yeah. So that was the time perhaps gone. Now we all seek a certain purchase, uh, a purpose. What are you doing? That was just, no, no, I'm just going. Yeah, I mean, I'm back in the day where, I mean, you don't really see hitchhikers no, no, these so, days. Yeah. I mean, he was a hitchhiker. Yeah, he was a hitchhiker. And we stopped in a bar and we spoke about that and, you know, and then he left and I have, all I have left is the memory of Scully, which is in the book. Uh, yeah. Yeah, very much so. He's, he's in the book. The other one that I loved was um, The Labyrinth. The Labyrinth, yeah. You know, if you've been to The Labyrinth, is a Chartres, uh, Notre Dame, a Chartres uh, Cathedral, and you've, what impressed me so much when I was there, there's a huge labyrinth in the church, and that some of the, the people crawl and do the labyrinth on, the, on their knees. And uh, I once met this guy who came to see me, a photographer, and he had this labyrinth uh, tattoo on his chest. And, uh, and it's not small. Y- yeah, you know. So and yeah, a labyrinth, you meant to walk a labyrinth that's if right. you are seeking peace or seeking an answer for something. Finding something. And you're supposed to walk the labyrinth in complete silence yeah. on your own, and the answer is meant to come to you. Will come to you. Because uh, that, that concept has always really yeah. fascinated me. So I was really interested to find that in the book. Um, so, yeah, I, I really did. I loved that. 
and I, I, but I looked at the labyrinth tattoo and I thought it is quite strange. Our pain. You know, I, I love the the strange and the, the haphazard and the the offbeat. Maybe it comes with my kind of strange character that I have, uh, or the visual thug, what should we call it? Uh, <laughs> but I'm always seeking, uh, exploiting the somewhat strange, the macabre, and so on. I mean, as somebody that comes to you and he's and he's, his t-shirt shirts fall open slightly, and you look and there's a labyrinth tattooed on his whole chest. I mean, I couldn't let that pass. So I said, well, um, so and so, would you mind me photographing if I photograph your labyrinth? That's fine. It's so interesting. So, so interesting. You are listening to People of the Book, and today my guest is renowned photographer Urbi Oberholzer. I love it when you read to me. This is People of the Book with Janice Liebowitz. You are listening to People of the Book. I'm Janice Liebowitz, and today I'm chatting to photographer Urbi Oberholzer about his new book, Happy Sadland. Southern African stories. Now, Obi, with with all your travels far and wide and on the road, have you ever found yourself in dangerous situations? Yeah, no, I have, and, and I can relate to one quickly. Is uh, when I did my first book, uh, Aris Fontaine de Fontaine, and I did a s- sequel called Sudden Circle, and I went around up our coastline, Mozambique, came around. Um, and Namibia and so on. It was just 1989. It was still a war on in um, in uh, Namibia, but by then um, the people, the South African forces, were confined to their bases, uh, so they were all there. And I followed a lot of the Kufut uh, brigade, sort of murderers, killers, trans insurgents, counter insurgents, and I actually went to their camp uh, in Rundu and I said to the guard of the gate, "Show me to your leader," which is I think the leader was Eugene de Kock. Oh. I don't. I don't want to. I think. <laughs> In, anyway, so um, um, we drinking at the bar. I'm showing my then my first book. Unfortunately, I was a member of the ANC. In those years, just to make travel easier in case of situation, right. I had an ANC card in the book, and it fell out on the floor, and that changed the whole oh, my goodness. whole situation. And they said to me. They said nothing. They, they said, just stand here. And I stood in front of a tented, a bar, uh, just bottles of brandy. And they all marched to the back of the of the tent and they shot with their nine millimeters, me holding up this book. And I will actually show your crowd tonight the real book with bullet holes. The question oh is, that's, I was sprayed with brandy all over. The question was never lower the book because they, were, they could shoot well. But as they shot you, I was inclined to lower the book which means I would have been not been sitting here. <laughs> oh, my goodness. That is quite the frightening situation <laughs> to be in. Yeah, it happens. Uh, not regularly, one would hope. Um, so you mentioned earlier the, the exhibition in, in Rubik, the Rubik Valley. So it's very interesting because it's called – the Intimate Art Encounters event, and it turns the whole of Rubik Valley into mm. a gallery. Yeah. So uh, tell me about that, because we were chatting earlier, we were saying some things just work in one specific place. And as much as we yeah. say, oh, we'd love to pick that up and replicate it somewhere else, it will never work somewhere else. 
So tell me about this this turning of the Ribeck Valley into a gallery. Yeah, look, it's it's uh, to the Ribeck versus Ribeck Castile, and it's kind of a sort of an art community as it is. And yes. what they've done is that they opened all these studios for people. It's an hour from Cape Town. People to go through, speak to the, the artists, a couple of galleries, talk shows, and so on. So they've asked me to to put up an exhibition and to do a, a talk. So it really is quite a thing to get people coming and sharing their thoughts or the artists talking about their work. So that was really quite interesting being there. And they do it over a weekend. Do they do this every August? They didn't do the last year because of COVID, yes, well, but now they're starting COVID. again. And as far as we hope, it'll continue because there was a great influx of, of uh, art-loving people. Let's call them that. It sounds absolutely incredible. And I mean, like we were saying, I don't think it's, this is something you could pick up and, and reproduce somewhere else. No, no, because it's, it's so linked to the Swartland or the, the wine area that it's a good combination, you know. Uh, it's difficult for me, you know, uh, keeping sober all the time. Uh, <laughs> but uh, but uh, it, 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 it just seemed to go together, uh, the art. And you know, as you know, so many people are... Well, I shouldn't probably say they were leaving Gauteng and, and finding yes. smaller, smaller places to live in. And one of those, it's called Ribe Castile, Ribe yes. and those, those Cape series, Tilburg, those smaller Cape places. So this is a, a wonderful way of sharing your town and bringing in money to the people. Yeah, a lot of people are moving to mm. the smaller places, looking to, to live off the grid. Yeah. And uh, yeah, it is. I wonder why. Gee, I, want, I yeah, can't you imagine. You didn't ask me. Yeah. I can't imagine. Oh, I, I'll ask you why. No, no <laughs> I, I'm still working at it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, a lot of people are making that choice, mm. and uh, I think COVID. I mean, I, you know, as much as as yeah. we we hate referring to it, it has very fast become a cliche. Definitely. And we're using it as as I think many are using it as an excuse for a lot of stuff still. But I think COVID also showed us that there are different ways That's, to live. There are different lifestyles. Yeah. And uh, I think people are grabbing onto anything they can to improve their quality of life. Yeah, put on. And that is that is definitely one way to do it, and especially a beautiful area to do it in. Yeah. So, so kudos to them. And as you say, it's less than an hour's drive from Cape Town, and that whole route—it's got these mm. little towns and. It's, and it's you know, gorgeous. things things work, and the roads are okay. They have got lights now and again. As do we all. <laughs> yeah, yeah, lights now and again. So, Obi, your book. Let's talk about the book quickly about where this is available. Is this available just generally in bookstores all around? Where you find your favorite books, you are going to find this gorgeous book um, by. Obi Oberholzer, and at the back it tells you hitch a ride with a wanderer, writer, and photographer. Yeah, Obi Oberholzer on his happy, sad trails through southern Africa. And really, it's a fabulous book. It's got a beautiful, eye catching cover that you can't miss. Happy, sad land, southern African stories. And I suggest that you go and grab your copy wherever you buy your favorite books. Is it available online as well? It's just one correction that it's it's not a coffee table book. Oh, it's a wine table book. It's a oh a wine table. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Whichever table you would like to put this book on, please feel free. <laughs> 
but go and get the book. <laughs> and when I say it's available online, I'm saying go and purchase the actual book online to be delivered to you. There is a very big difference between viewing these pictures and viewing the book as an online copy as compared to viewing the actual book and the photos themselves. Really, it makes the hugest difference. Don't just settle for downloading something and looking at it um, on a device. It's really, really not the same. Um, I know we're talking about like everything's digital, everything's device-based, but really, I beg you, don't try not to do that. Um, I know that a lot of people do it for convenience, but really, I'm um, mm-hmm. begging you, try not to do that. Please, please get a copy of the actual book because it is, it's magnificent. It's gorgeous. It's beautiful. And it's the kind of thing that you want to share with people. You want people to see it. You want it on display. So please go and get a copy of the book. Obi Oberholt, so thank you so, so much for your time. It's been so it's been wonderful talking to you and, and hearing about your journeys and your travels and your experience. So thank you for sharing with me. It's a pleasure. And th- thank you for all those compliments. <laughs> and if I deserve them. <laughs> thank you, you very def- much. You definitely <laughs> do deserve them. Thank you so, so much. To you, my listener, like I always tell you, take care of yourself, take care of each other, do what you love and read a book.